Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information, a podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey. And I'm Caitlin. And And this this is is our oath. oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse seen above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And we vow to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. By which we, of course, mean answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability. Episode five. We're back. And we're talking about the two towers. And more like the two horses, because there's so many horses in this section. Am I right? Yeah, I don't think two horses is very accurate, hey. actually. The too many horses. Oh! <laughs> Sorry, that was extremely bad. <laughs> it does feel great to be back after last episode where we didn't have any horses it does feel great to be back and have so many fucking horses yeah yeah this episode this is a this is the horse heaviest episode to date it's a horse of palooza i don't know is it too much of a spoiler to to share now at the top of the episode that our our horse count will will double this episode well you've done it so spoiler done (laughs) (laughs) i I mean we can edit it out if you think no i think that's great just it's thrilling yeah it is thrilling we have it's an embarrassment of horses uh, truly truly okay so we are talking today about chapters one through five Mm -hmm. of the two towers in our last episode we said it was going to be one through six and we thought better of that we thought about it so much. <laughs> we've had, we've gone back and forth several times on how to kind of split up chunks from here on out because of the way that the movies are adapted, um, choosing equivalent parts of the book and movie is going to be a little weirder from here on out. It's a yes. little more asynchronous. So we don't even know yet what the next section is is going to be precisely but it will be we will figure it out by the time we publish this episode so it will be in the episode description okay so with all that stuff aside let's yeah jump so into chapter the book. one starts with boromir's death which um it's ouch sad. ouchie and we talked a lot about that sadness in our last episode because boromir's death happens at the end of fellowship in the movies um but tolkien saves it mm-hmm. to just sock us in the hearts um in the 
Yeah, w- welcome to the book. Just here's some right off here's the some bat. anguish. Yeah. Uh, did you like? Did any differences strike you between book and movie here, or like um, what did you prefer? Honestly, like they are a little bit different. I like them both a lot. Like I have, you know, mm-hmm. plenty of Peter Jackson complaints, but um, I. <sighs> The, the Peter Jackson complainer has logged on to the All podcast. The um, there's, like, his actual death is not depicted in the same way in the book. Aragorn finds him already almost dead. Um, uh, so yeah. we don't, like, read about him being shot multiple times. Um, but they have their, like, sweet and sad moment. Um, and then they're the little like funeral for Boromir um I thought was I don't know interesting because they are they have this like they want to honor him in some way and they don't have time to yeah yeah you you feel or make a cairn or whatever and so they choose the boat yeah, this this segment in the book is interesting compared to the movie because you feel them so much more torn between these conflicting like yeah. responsibilities and yeah, duties, which absolutely. I think is really interesting. And they're a little more unsure of themselves. Like Aragorn kind of throughout this whole segment, like doubts himself. Like actually, you know, he says like right after Boromir dies, he says, This is the bitter end. Now the company is all in ruin. It is I that have failed. In vain was Gandalf's oh, trust yeah. in me. Like, it all just feels... They all just feel on um, so much mm-hmm, more insecure mm-hmm. I do. There's a nice sentence, too. Um, once they, like, cast loose the funeral boat, um, kind of the last line of that paragraph before they, like, sing a song for him, it says, But in Gondor in after days, it long was said that the elven boat rode the falls and the foaming pool and bore him down through Osgiliath, and past the many mouths of Anduin, out into the great sea at night under the stars. Yeah. I love in the books how important the sea is. Like, yeah. it's a place we never actually see, but it, it's it's always present in the, like, minds and mythologies of the characters. Yeah. I also have one Sean Bean thing um, before before we move on, just because we'll never see him again. I learned oh, yeah, a thing about this. Sean Bean. Yeah, so Sean Bean is a stage name. His given name is Sean Bean, with Sean spelled differently. Wow! <laughs> yeah, it's his, his birth name is Sean, spelled S-H- a-U-N, and he changed it to, like, for his stage name to S-E-A-N. So that they're spelled the same, but pronounced differently. Sean, in quotations, Sean Bean. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, Boromir. Um. Oh, and, and, um, Borm, not Boromir, he's, he's dead, R-I-P. Um, Aragorn and Legolas, like, take time, take turns like coming up with a verse Uh for him oh my god yeah it's 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 very sad yeah sorry i started laughing because i was thinking about gimli um because i don't it's kind of interesting like otterborn sings a verse and then legolas sings a verse and then otterborn sings another verse and it's it's about each of the like the west south and north winds right 
The cardinal winds. Yeah. Gimli says, you left the east wind to me, but I will say not of it. And because it's like the evil wind, right? But it's kind of like, like, Mm -hmm. did they... Well, can, can no, the did they actually evil? leave the east wind for him? Because Aragorn sang about two different winds, and I'm just saying, like, you could have given Gimli a chance to sing about one of the winds. <laughs> you know, that's interesting because we have seen both Legolas and Aragorn, like, sing so far, but I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I might be misremembering, but I don't think we've seen Gimli, like, kind of perform or like re- no i think a verse like that much less come up in with chapter one. five about him singing in dorvish like in fangorn forest but we don't get him we oh, don't get okay. the words of what he actually sings or chants yeah um anyways so the the one other thing i want to point out in this chapter before we move on is just the very mm-hmm. end of it when they're like you know, who do we follow, what do we do, and they decide to, um, yeah, Aragorn says, I will follow the orcs. I would have guided Frodo to Mordor and gone with him to the end, but if I seek him now in the wilderness, I must abandon the captives, Merry and Pippin, to torment and death. My heart speaks clearly at last. The fate of the bearer is in my hands no longer. The company has played its part. Yet we that remain cannot forsake our companions while we have strength left. Come, we will go now. Um, And then, a little later, Gimli says, Well, after them. Dwarves, too, can go swiftly, and they do not tire sooner than orcs. But it will be a long chase. They have a long start. Yes, said Aragorn. We shall all need the endurance of dwarves. But come, with hope or without hope, we will follow the trail of our enemies, and woe to them if we prove the swifter. We will make such a chase as shall be accounted a marvel among the three kindreds, elves, dwarves, and men. Forth the three hunters. Like a deer, he sprang away. And it's... Damn. The, it, them the long shakes. Um, I don't know, the character of... <laughs> of the writing, and I don't have anything really specific to point to, but when it's, like, like the three as they declare themselves hunters and like onward, it feels different. It just, the narrative has a different character in this section um, in an interesting way. And they are, and this hasn't happened yet in, in the book, but there's, there's very much like a shared nobility of the three of them, you know, like, the elves dwarves and men and in the movie we lose so much of that with the sort of gimli as yeah gimli kind of gets flattened into comic relief which i think he does well and serves a purpose but yeah it is it is sad to kind of lose the nuance of this um yeah as you said kind of shared camaraderie that they're doing something incredible and it's made more incredible by the fact that it's like a coalition yeah. amongst and these people. Yeah. And it's peoples. it's sad to me in general but especially because it feels like that happens to Gimli because at least partly of like fat phobia and things like like why yeah, can't absolutely. like the twink elf be comic relief, <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> but it is, of course, like the short, stout one. Um, and yeah, I just think like Gimli has plenty of his own nobility and and also like skill and whatever. Like in the book, he keeps pace with the other two pretty dang well, and they just like run for days. It's wild. For days. Yeah. For, what is it? 45 leagues in like yeah. three and a half days or something. Yeah. yeah. I also, that I love that quote that you shared and I do want to point out really fast. Um, Aragorn says, with hope or without hope, we will follow yeah. the trail of our enemies. And that's a thing that Tolkien comes back to again and again is the importance of like following through on things and doing these things, even if it doesn't yeah. feel like there's hope. And I find that so compelling, especially, like, reading things right now that, like, just to come back to it again and again, and he's so explicit about it, is, like, hope, like, hope is powerful, but sometimes hope is a luxury, and, like, you cannot let feeling disheartened or or, or feeling not yes. very hopeful, you, you can't let that yeah. diminish your efforts now, like your efforts are made more important yeah, by the absolutely. absence. absolutely. And I mean, the thing about, like, despair and folly that you read back in whatever episode that was that, like, Gandalf says at Rivendell is, like, yeah. like, don't not try just because you think it won't help. Mm -hmm. It's it's only, like, impossible if you've truly, like, tried everything and it has made itself clear to be yeah yeah relevant relevant um okay relevant lessons um, we still haven't talked about horses i'm sorry um <laughs> oh but oh but we, we will don't don't will. worry um so chapter chapter yeah. now we're into chapter two the writers of rohan where all the horses are yeah um chapter two they are pursuing the hobbits um, there's a short song about Gondor. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, that, for sure yeah, a song about Gondor. Yeah, that's just the first. I mean, there was a song about Boromir in the previous chapter, but this is the first song of chapter two. Um, yeah, and they they right away, I, I yeah. want to talk about this really fast. Um, we were talking in the first chapter about, like, their, even though they've decided clearly what to do, they're like, unsureness about how to do it and like feeling torn in these opposite directions play such a big part yes. in this chapter because they're chasing these urukai for days on end and they're trying to decide at night whether they should rest and risk falling behind or try and run yes. through the night and risk losing the trail and missing a hobbit yeah. and, and never knowing and um the three of them have this conversation like in the movie you know that just yeah. is entirely gone but i i kind of love the three of them having a conversation like weighing the pros and cons and all of them feeling this kind of anguish at like i don't know how to make the correct choice right. here um which i think is really interesting and they just ultimately decide to yeah. sleep through the night yeah. for at least a little bit um and then they wake up the next morning and the urukai are yeah way farther ahead um yeah let's see um so far ahead that 
Legolas and his elf eyes can't see them, and so Aragorn has a bright idea about how to, like, triangulate where they are, which is that he dramatically flings I, himself upon the ground. Know, like, flings himself onto the ground, like, so many he, times he in this book. always... Every time that they talk about the party resting, it's like he flopped himself down. Yeah, and was he loves to asleep. just like throw his body upon a flat plane and be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if I had a body like that, I would also just be mm, draping it uh-huh. over everything, you know? <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's he cast himself upon the ground and listened again intently. Yeah. And he hears. Oh, so while he's listening, Legolas, who is watching, uh, saw not a shadow, not a blur, but the small figures of horsemen, many horsemen, in the glint of morning on the tips of their spears was like the twinkle of minute stars beyond the edge of mortal sight. Yeah. Um, sorry. Right before that. Yes, I'm. But, but I before that, I, that at this point um, is pretty much our podcast. There's motto. a great line where Legolas, in in that like decision to to rest or not, Legolas says mm-hmm. like I'll follow your counsel to Aragorn, and Aragorn responds, "You give the choice oh, yeah. to an ill chooser." Um, and an ill chooser. I mean, it's sad, but also just like a funny <laughs> line and also what a mood like i'm so fucking indecisive and i'm just gonna start answering people when they're yeah. like where do you want to eat i'll say you give the choice to an ill chooser <laughs> you to an ill chooser gosh yeah and there's we I, I don't think we should like tarry on this too long but there's also some interesting like what is up with elves like legolas doesn't sleep his mind goes into the waking elf yeah. dream to rest yeah, What's it's some weird about? shit. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in the Lothlorien chapter. Um, but yeah, it's it's more of that. I have can one... I can I uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. No. Well, I have I was one other just say a gay thing. No, say the gay thing and it then I'll say me this just other a thing. a little bit sad to think about like Legolas and Gimli like sleeping side by side and Legolas going somewhere oh, Gimli can't follow, yeah. you know? Wow. Okay. So, wait, where is that line? Fuck. Where is it? I said page 28. Something about the moon. Where does it say about the moon when they're... Oh, Ooh, here. I don't, know. I don't remember. It's when they're making the decision, Aragorn says, we will not walk in the dark. He said at length, mm. the peril of missing the trail or signs of other coming and going seems to me the greater if the moon gave enough light we would use it but alas he sets early and is yet young and pale and i just wrote the moon is a boy question mark question mark question mark yes i yes i have that i have that exact same reaction like how dare you say that the moon is a lesbian okay the moon is a lesbian everyone knows this um okay Truly, truly, yes. Yes. Are we at the point now where they are kind of uh, interrupted by Um, the Rohirrim? Yes, I do. Before they're actually interrupted. mm, So, Aragorn hears hooves. Like, Mm -hmm. when he just, like, Mm -hmm. listens to the ground for a long time in the morning. He's like, the rumor of the earth is dim, dim and confused. 
Nothing yeah. walks upon it for many miles about yeah. us, but loud are the hoofs of the horses. It comes to my mind that I heard them, even as I lay on the ground and sleep, and they troubled my dreams. Horses galloping, passing in the west. And then um, they say the dwellings of the Rohirrim were for the most part many leagues away to the south, under the wooded eaves of the White Mountains, now hidden in mist and cloud, yet the horse lords had formerly kept many herds and studs in the east of Net, this easterly region of their realm, and there the herdsmen had wandered much, living in camp and tent, even in winter time. But now all the land was empty, and there was a silence Cowboys. that did not seem to be the quiet of peace. So just some uh, Rohan horse lore that I wanted to point out. Cow cowboys. Man, imagine Aomer is a cowboy. Oh <laughs> my god. I so we'll mm-hmm. we'll get to him in a little bit. We we we'll we'll get we'll get to him. We we have to talk yes. about Carl Urban. So then we, we catch up to what yes. I had prematurely been talking about, which is that uh Legolas sees the riders, the riders come upon them. Riders, cried Aragorn, springing to his feet. Many riders on swift steeds are coming towards us. Um, so this entire, like, column of Rohirrim are, like, riding up and ride. And Aragorn is like, well, let's just, like, wait and talk to these dudes. Like, they're coming from the direction that the Urukai went. Maybe they can bring us news, be it good or bad. Let's just wait. And Gimli is like, um, I don't know about this plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Rohirrim oh, come yeah. into sight. At length, even Gimli could hear the distant beat of galloping hoofs. The horsemen, following the trail, had turned from the river and were drawing near the downs. They were riding like the wind. Now the cries of clear, strong voices came ringing over the fields. Suddenly they swept up with a noise like thunder, and the foremost horsemen swerved, passing by the foot of the hill and leading the host back southward along the western skirts of the down. After him they rode, a long line of mail-clad men, swift, shining, fell and fair to look upon. Their horses were of great stature, uh, strong and clean-limbed. Their gray coats glistened. Their long tails flowed in the wind. Their manes were braided on their proud necks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just a beautiful, a beautiful scene. And um, the the host kind of rides right past them. They don't seem to see them because yeah. of the elven cloaks. Uh, although it's funny because, so like they they've almost passed Um, even though, like, every now and then one Mm -hmm. of them is, like, rising up in his stirrups and gazing to either side to, like, keep watch, they don't see the strangers. Aragorn stands up and calls in a loud voice, what news from the north, riders of Rohan? And then they do the whole thing. And, and a few paragraphs later, Aemer says, I thought you might be orcs at first. And I'm like, I, I just... I mean, I guess Tolkien did not imagine orcs being quite so visually distinct and or gross as they are depicted by Peter Jackson. Yeah, I, I, I read that to me. I read that to be more about like, like hidden by like dark sorcery and like more Dorian mm. treachery or whatever than like looking okay. like orcs because no no one could look right. at these beautiful men and mistake them for orcs you know um yeah so let's kind of let's kind of go through the rest of this chapter and their conversation and then we'll have to catch up in the movie let's actually catch up in the movie first and then come back to and talk about the book and movie side by side this section 
Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. So things are things so are pretty different. different. So we've um, already spotted our first handful of horses in the movie, um, which doesn't have anything to do with what's yeah. Happening so in the I book. mean, the um, movie opens with Gandalf fighting the Balrog, and then Frodo sort of waking up from a dream Frodo in which he's like seeing Gandalf fight the Balrog. I that one shot you called out where they fall, kind of you see them from a distance falling, is beautiful. Yeah, it's. It's, it's beautiful. It's like they, they had been kind of tumbling down like a straight board, like tunnel into the earth. And then it suddenly pulls back to a wide shot. And it's like a massive underground sea. sea And like a really, yeah, really tall cavern. And it's, they're so distant. You can't even really make out what they are. Just kind of this tumbling light, like, yeah, like slowly falling and turning through this like, landscape so large that it, it's hard to comprehend that is beautiful. It's, it's beautiful the falling down the tunnel beforehand is not i hated it i'm sorry i <laughs> it felt so hokey you're so grumpy like, about adaptation it felt like an you're anime so grumpy about and it. that would be fine if it were an anime but it was not so i will say i will say this about that scene like that scene the two the two kind of separate shots that we're talking about to me perfectly illustrate the peter jack peter jackson spectrum at one end of which is the lord of the rings movies and at the other end of which is the hobbit and so that like kind of bad cgi really fast actiony stuff it is like the hobbit end of the spectrum that he falls like more yeah. and more into um and then the beautiful like epic cinematic operatic goodness is more the lord of the yeah, rings yeah. side of the spectrum and then we have to watch gollum being gollum and frodo and sam being depressed and traveling yeah i have a question for uh-huh. you i have a question for you i know that you're not a fan of elijah wood uh-huh. and his face and the things that it does how does that compare to how you feel about andy circus as gollum and his face and the mm. things that it does like is there a standout winner for you, or is it just all bad? They both have their moments of being okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I yeah. guess Elijah Wood is less bad to look at in general, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Elijah Wood, I'm sure you're great. <laughs> you, you really begrudging, you've really begrudgingly granted that, I guess, he's better look I If it's a Partly objective comparison. he's calmer to look at. Gollum is just so much all the time. It's like... (laughs) Yeah. Just, like, rest for a second. It's a lot. Like, practice some, like, I don't know. (laughs) Meditative breathing. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to linger on them. It is nice to see our our boys in love, though, because we won't see them in the book for... Until the the second half And they're definitely in love, but I didn't really like... I mean, Andy Serkis is incredibly talented. Um, I certainly could not do what he does, but it's also not like a thing that I particularly like to watch. I also feel like that is so central to like who Gollum is. Like, yeah. And I think that's actually, that's what makes it so effective because I hate, like, I hate perceiving him. Like, you just loathe him right but there's always this this thing in 
like movies mm-hmm. and theater with acting where like like with that character you ah movies with <laughs> acting you want no i'm just saying movies and theater as in the thing that unites them is the acting um i'm not ah, okay okay the, the bridge between two worlds <laughs> i gotcha i gotcha um is that like you need to be loathsome enough for the audience to like feel that but not so loathsome that they don't want to watch the movie anymore. Oh, does it cross that line? Almost. For you? I think partly just like yeah. starting with that. The it, Two Towers has kind of a rough beginning. Tbh, like it's yeah. They well they throw you into the Frodo and Sam stuff, which would already be a big emotional buy-in. Yeah, but they throw you into it with their like their relationship being tested by the presence of Gollum, and that's. That's such a hard place to start. Yeah. Like, the emotional buy-in for that is huge. Yeah. I feel like it's way easier to start with the, like, hot people in a car chase. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. Um, I, But, like, this thing, this acting thing carries over to other to mm-hmm. other stuff, too. And it's part of the reason I have a problem with Elijah Wood's acting is that, like, with any intense emotion, it's not just, like, acting out the intense emotion. It's, like it's actually often reining that in enough so that the audience can like feel the intense emotion. So it's but, right. But not be like, so like overwhelmed by it. Um, yeah. like you don't actually, I remember learning about this in like a Shakespeare class. Like you don't actually yeah, this is want an to like conversation to me because you have acted and I have. Not. Right. And I, like, to be clear, I'm not a good actor, but I know like the technical stuff of it. I'm just bad at like physically releasing enough to do it well myself. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it couldn't be me because I've never <laughs> understood a human emotion in my life. So but, like, in, okay. In Shakespeare, you yeah. don't want to, like, break down crying. You want to, like, choke back the tears enough so that you can legibly say the words, right? And even yeah. if in real life, if you were experiencing an emotion that intense, you wouldn't be able to talk and you would be breaking down crying, the audience doesn't actually want to see that. They want to see you, like, working through the tears to say the text and communicate. And I think yeah. the Gollum thing is right on that line for me of like, I wouldn't mind it being just like a couple hairs restrained because I would be more able to like engage with the performance. I, I totally hear you. And I think that's such an interesting point from like the artistry standpoint of it. Like I don't, I think it's a very physically um athletic and rigorous performance from Andrew Serkis and I I like a lot of his voice work I I think the thing about it that works for me is like Gollum the point of Gollum as a character is to strain your empathy and to like be so uh, unpleasant and pitiable and, and loathsome that you don't want to um to have com- that or that that it's difficult to have compassion for him and you have to fight yourself um I- into that and so that element of it really works for me even though like watching some of those scenes it does it's like it's like a little squirmy um but i think for me that that lines up with this larger thing that the story is trying to do about like compassion can be really uncomfortable and kind of gross mm-hmm. yeah makes sense 
Um, okay, horses. Yes, we, we have been starting to talk right. about horses. So what happens in the movie after that? The, then it cuts to um, the pursuit across the plains of Rohan. Right, but not not when Aomer gets to them yet. No, no. And then Aomer comes up next. Finding Aomer when he finds... Wait, no. No, so the first... No, so the first horses, the first horses we see are, um, there's some, like, world-building stuff about Saruman kind of expanding oh, yeah, and his we see some forces. Really so, like, gross... he, yeah, he, like, drafts the mountain men, um... Yeah. And then the mountain men start attacking. Basically, it's a lot of stuff to, like, demonstrate that Saruman is now moving explicitly against Rohan, so his mountain folk mm-hmm. start attacking... Um, like a Rohan village. Yes, and we have and that we see... scene with the kids. Yeah, so we see two like little kids. It's a it's a young brother and sister. I think it's it's Aethane and and Frida or Freda, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, some something and their their village is like already burning, and their mom is putting them on puts the them horse. on a horse. Yeah, and yeah, and tells them to ride to um. To Edoras, to, like, the Hall of Mandeseld, and, and warn King Theoden that they're under attack. Yes. So, so that, in that this horse. village, we see... Yeah, we, we get our first horse, and it's not even just one horse. We get three horses right off the wow. bat. Okay, so that first horse, what can you tell us about mm-hmm. it? Him. He has a name, um, and it's Garolf. Yes. Which is actually... Do you want to talk about yeah, where that so name comes from? Yeah, so, incidentally, later on um, in this chunk, Aemer gives... Aragorn and Gimli and Legloss a couple horses and one of whom is named Hasufel. That's the one that Aragorn rides. And there's a mention that Hasufel's former owner or rider who was killed in the orc battle was named Garolf. So Peter Jackson stole that man's name. Name theft. And gave it to it, a this horse. This is this is identity theft. This is fraud. Yep. Um. And he stole it for a bit. This horse, him big. He, yeah. Joey, it's just a big horse. That's a big horse. He looks to me like he's probably, like at least seventeen hands. Like he's a big boy. Yeah, he's big. Um, we decided that he is probably seal brown. Yeah, can you explain what that so, is? So, yeah, if I can remember. Basically, seal brown is like <laughs> a dark, like, it's almost like interspersed black and brown hairs. It's like a deep brown with black points, like black mane and tail and generally socks. But often in, like, around the nose and kind of at the front of the word that I learned the other day when I looked up horse anatomy the shuffle Mm, stifle oh i was pretty close with the double f's right in front of the stifle which is kind of like if you look at like a horse like the back hip thigh area kind of in front of that curve the color gets a little like lighter and reddish but from a distance basically like deep brown with black points seal brown yeah um and i feel like we're actually we're like long overdue for a disclaimer on horse colors and um colorations and markings which is that it's like weirdly and stupidly complicated like a lot of it is overlapping and contradictory and like there's not always even complete consensus like 
among horse people. Yeah. So um, yeah, and some of it we are some of it comes down trying. to genetics. So like, yeah, you which would we need don't... to know a mm-hmm. horse's parentage to know if they're like this genetic variation of this color or the other one or things like that. And like, look, I've never okay. I love knowing things. I pride myself on knowing things. I was about to say I've never this known is, anything. This is I love this, to know things. This is but no, I do, this is your fundamental truth. I do not know this <laughs> for sure. I just do my best. Yeah, yeah, we do. It's a it's a real it's that real sweet spot of like residual horse girl knowledge and some like Google research. Yeah. So if you're a horse person listening to this and we say something and you go <laughs> absolutely Feel not free to write um, in. That's our that's our disclaimer. Yeah, and also please write in. Yeah. You can find that email address in the outro of this episode. Yes. That, so that's the first horse in this scene. And there's a great moment. Like, the, I don't know why, but the audio of this moment is, like, ingrained in my brain. So mom puts little boy on the horse and then is, like, in the process of hauling the little girl up on the horse. And the little girl says, um... Daddy says Eothane is not to ride, Geralt. He is too big for him. And that is just like, it just I don't know why, it's just like burned into my well, brain. Yeah. Um. So while that is happening in the foreground, we see... background horses. Yeah. I mean, not background in our hearts, but background in the yes. shot. No horse um, is background first, in our hearts. I mean, if you are, listen. Yeah. Um, so first, um, there's a big, I'm going to go ahead and call it a Clydesdale. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that generally. Thank you. Um, it's, yeah, it's a big bay Clydesdale. Mm -hmm. With a white blaze and it has tall white socks. Uh, When we say a Clydesdale, what we mean is it's a big stocky draft horse with a, a, a convex nose. So, like, from the tip of its nose to its forehead, its entire head is kind Curved of, like, outward. bowed out. Yeah. yeah, and it has big feet and those amazing, like, 70s hair, like, feathered fetlocks. Yes. Yeah, like, picture a horse in flared pants and then make those pants made of, like, feathers. And then that's what fetlocks are. Yeah. Yeah, it, it has specifically tall hind white i don't know if they would be boots or stockings i don't remember how tall they got probably just boots because i realized i've been referring to everything as socks and then when we were doing research we've been using socks socks and stockings intermittently interchangeably um you said intermittently Ah. (laughs) um yeah yeah i mean (laughs) It's actually perfect for when you're saying that you've been using words that don't mean the same thing interchangeably to refer to that as using them intermittently. That's yeah. very like, moi. <laughs> so th- there's, we'll, we'll talk about this really fast, but we'll just say there's kind of like a hierarchy of uh, like socks, stockings, blah, blah, blah. It's like the, the marks that run up a horse's leg, which are white and they kind of in descending order are a coronet, which is a little white band around the, just above the hook, yep. which is like an anklet. Uh-huh. Above that, a, um, a sock. Yep. And then a, which is a little higher a up. boot, which is like, if you imagine a boot coming like up to your knee, but not over it, that's basically what a boot is on a horse. And then a very uh, cheeky, seductive stock. Yeah, which can go like way up there. It, it, it's a thigh high. It, yeah. it you know, it yeah. go. Um, so, so this horse has 
tall like white boots on the hind legs but has a sh like a coronet on the left front leg maybe a sock i didn't know those terms yet when i was writing these notes apparently so something and then there's one there's one other horse this scene yes who is another uh, kind of dark bay horse. Definitely not as, um, like, cart horsey and cold-blooded as the Clydesdale. No, but it does um, still have the fetlocks, so... Um... Mm. It, doesn't have the, it doesn't have the convex face, though. It, yeah. it didn't have the same um, blockiness yeah. that I associate with yeah. the, the cold-blooded breeds. Um, but this horse does have a really cool feature, which I feel like you should talk about since you yeah. were the one who figured out the terminology for it. This horse has a silver tail. So, like, there's a thing that happens genetically called a silver dilution, I think. And often there are some, like, white hairs in the mane, but they're not as noticeable. But the tail kind of, like, starts out black, but then, like, it depends on the horse, but kind of has, like, an ombre effect to a more like cream color um, or it's like black and cream interspersed in Arabians. That's often called, Oh fuck. What is it? Something. A gulastra plume. Yes. A gulastra plume. But among other horses, it's more commonly known as silver tail. And you don't see it in that and initial really shot. it's really cool and noticeable. But like later on that horse goes past and you see it from the rear and its tail is like yes very noticeable yeah it looks dyed it's like a it's a completely different color from their main color yeah um it's neat i hadn't really seen that before so it was cool to like put a name to that mm -hmm. okay so that's three horses we have Geralt and we have two as of yet unnamed horses it's finally time to name that horse name that horse what are we gonna i kind of feel is it a cop-out to name the one with the cool Silvertail Silvertail? Because it feels like a very fantasy name. I think we can name it Silvertail. Perfect. Okay. Um, What should we name the cart horse? Um, I was going to say who's that big man, but we did that with a cart horse earlier in this. We sure, we sure <laughs> did. We sure did. Um, We could name him like Behemoth or something. He feels like kind of a gentle giant to me. Yeah. Yeah, we can name him Behemoth. And he's he's being he's being led by um a, a short older person in like a big um blanket. Yeah, well okay, earlier chill. you know the name you talked about wanting to name a horse earlier, but you said it was more shire like Oh oh I this think, might work here. I think it does because like you gotta eat your veggies to grow up big and tall. Yeah, and so the name we are talking about, Joey, when we we started our recordings and Joey said, let us start. And I said, lettuce. We should name a horse lettuce. <laughs> yeah. So I think there it is. Lettuce. lettuce. I love that. That's I'm thrilled great. about that. Look, that's definitely like that horse belongs to a family and the family's kid. You know, mom or dad was like, little Rohirrim boy, what should we name this horse? And the kid was like, lettuce. Yeah, absolutely. I knew a dog named Salad once. So that's very cute. Yeah. I'm into it. Wow, our first three horses. Geralt, Lettuce, Silvertail. Excellent. And then we cut to... Sorry, we forgot the minute mark. Oh, That's yes. at 22 minutes into the movie. And then a bunch of our horses kind of happen in the next, like, 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, so we cut to a very sad scene, which is Feodred, who is the son of King yes. Feoden, and, like... A band of his men and all their horses are dead. 
um, yeah, they've been like, they've been ambushed. It's yeah. called the scene is even called um, it's the massacre at Eisenford. Yeah, um, we're not gonna talk um, about tr- the dead horses because that's yeah we we have no interest in we're not gonna, lingering yeah. upon that. No, um, but it that does happen in the movie. yes, and then Aimer and his guys show up. Um, there are Whew. there are. 11 of them total. Let's, it's Aimer and yes, 10. Yes, let's talk about Aimer first because he's the first one on yeah. the screen. Aimer oh, Carl. Played by Carl. Carl. Urban. My man, Carl. I. He's. T- tell me what you think about Carl Urban as Aimer. Well, okay, I have one disclaimer first. I feel uh-huh. like we spend a lot of this podcast talking about how beautiful various men are. And to be fair, it's because there's, it's only because there's no Right, that's, <laughs> right. So that's what I want to say is like, I am capable of admiring beautiful men. I'm not going to get into all of the like complications of my sexuality here. I am queer. Mm-hmm. I would be admiring women more if there were more women. <laughs> oh, and well, and women, women appear later this episode and admire them. We shall. We shall. Um... Um, it's the I am looking respectfully meme. Yes. I think part of part of it is like, um, if this were like a movie that came out last year, I think I would take the the joy of kind of being like, oh, this hot person would be um different or more complicated. But this is very simple to me because it's like revisiting these like middle school crushes of like Oh, you know, it's like, oh my god, like I had such a crush on this person when I was like a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it kind of um, complication free. This is, we are both queer. This is a queer podcast. Yes. Um, but sometimes men but, are beautiful and we thought so when we were teenagers. And sometimes, and, sometimes, and sometimes, weirdly, in Lord of the Rings, it's when all of those men are like greasy. So greasy. I don't know. <laughs> so greasy. Okay. Anyways, Aemir appears. Carl Urban. Here are my feelings about Carl Urban. Mm-hmm. When I was younger... I did not ah. give a hoot about him. Not even a single hoot? Not a single hoot. I had eyes for oh Aragorn. I had eyes for Eowyn. Like, yeah. major, major eyes for Eowyn. Oh, um, can I? I I'll, actually, I'll save it. There's there's one thing. There's a thing that needs to be said about Eowyn later that I feel like is important to the ethos of this podcast, but we can save it for when she's on screen. Okay. And I also was not very into, like, large or muscular men <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um and so yeah i just aimer eh, eh. more like eh, omer <laughs> <laughs> fucking got him god now however that is unfor- i'm like that is unfortunately a sick burn <laughs> there's i see the appeal now yeah he's grumpy in a pleasant way mm-hmm. i think what i like about him aesthetically like, as an adult, is he has that interesting combination of, like, he's kind of beefy and and gruff, but also has, like, very delicate features. Yeah, and, like, the long hair is nice. His eyes are this very pretty, like, kind of greeny brown. <laughs> yeah, you said that during the movie. Oh, my God. The, the, we were, like, slightly off in the sink, and so I thought you were talking about worm I tongue. Cannot and I cannot believe... <laughs> You would think that about me. I was confused. Listen, there's listen, there's room in the world for us to disagree. And I was trying to yeah. like find the friendship middle ground there of like, oh, like that's no, nice. Yeah. No. Mm, no. Okay. Amir, great. Let's 
even greater than Eomer. His horse. His horse. Which is an interesting horse. Oh, yeah. We spent so much time talking about this horse. This is maybe the most time that we've spent trying to figure out a single horse on the podcast to date. Yes. So this horse, without horse Mm -hmm. terms, I'm not going to use the... the, Yeah. Yeah. I'll just describe it in in layperson language. Is kind of a bluish gray, primarily. A fairly dark bluish gray, but... Um, its face gets kind of progressively paler, so its nose looks primarily white, although it's kind of still like interspersed like gray and white hairs. Um, and it has some white splotches here and there, other places, but not like big splotches, not like that Tobiano custard the pony and free, like just like little right. like dapples. Um, yeah, and it has a a dark mane too. Yes, so his coat is not very uniform and yes his mane is black or basically black um his tail which we were we were fooled by at first because um you pointed it out when we first see him it's like amr on this horse kind of riding into the scene alone it's like a real hero shot yeah and there's this single it looked like a a single beautiful kind of forelock ringlet and this um really striking pale color and we yeah. and we realized that that's not actually the horse's hair that is a decorative crest attached to the horse's brow band yes. which matches the crest on Amer's helmet and exactly. the actual horse's mane is dark which was yeah. an important realization for figuring out what this horse's deal was yeah it's funny because like that plume is made of horse hair it's just a, yeah <laughs> a different color horse <laughs> yeah this horse's tail is also looks pretty similar to the silver tail of that other horse, but genetically I think is different uh, and is part of the dappling. Um, it kind of starts out black and then has these lighter hairs progressively through it more and more. Um, and we debated whether it should be classified as a gray dapple or a blue roan. And what's the, what, th- those are both obviously like grayish horses. What's, right. what's the differentiation in there? So the internet says that if a horse's face, mane, and tail are dark, that it should be a blue roan. But if they're light, it should be a gray dapple. The problem is we have a horse with a dark mane and tail, but a light face. Mm-hmm. And I don't know <laughs> what that yeah, means. Yeah, yeah. And then. so... A thing also to take into account is a thing called graying out, which is a natural phenomenon where, like, darker-colored horses lose their coloring in certain areas as they age, like, specifically, like, Yeah, like, I mean, you've seen old dogs and the way they get gray around their, like, eyes and muzzles. The same thing happens to horses. and, And also, again, horse colors are, like, weirdly complicated and there aren't really hard and fast rules because they're a living creature with like you know infinite variation on like small details yes. so wh- where what did we ultimately come down on on what the coloration of this horse is i wrote it down as gray dapple because of the light face but mm-hmm. there are people who might classify it as a blue roan it's yeah. we'll, it's, we'll tweet... it's a gray what i would specify is that it's a gray dapple with black points yes yes We'll we'll tweet pictures of this horse 
when the episode comes out. And we were able yeah. to find, this isn't like a extreme genetic variation, very rare. Like we were able to find other horses who had similar coat patterns, but just yeah. couldn't really find a, a name commonly associated with it. Yep. So that's Amer's horse, who we don't get to name because although it is not named in the movies, it is consistently named in the book. And we were able to double check ourselves with the Weta Workshop collectible um, trading cards to confirm yes. that this horse is Firefoot. Firefoot, yes. It is not named Which is a great in name. the book in the section we have read so far, but I think it is right, right. later on. or It's somewhere. named in the section on the way to the Battle of Helmsdeep. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So we can just assume he's been riding this horse the entire time. Yes. Okay, Firefoot. so that's Firefoot. And um, immediately following behind him, he has a company of riders with him. So kind of the plot is they, they've come to, as you said, retrieve Theodred and take him back to Edoras and to the king. Um, So he has a a company of ten riders with him. Yes, and there are these shots Um, of Aemer, like, holding, not entirely dead yet. Um, Actually, I said dead earlier, but he's not not dead yet. yet. Um, I'm laughing, I can say I'm not yet dead. Aemer holding Theodred will be. Right, in front of him on his horse, like, arm around him um, as they gallop home. I was just gonna say incidentally that first shot you see of Aemer holding uh Theodred on his horse is not Carl Urban it is very obviously a stunt rider yeah so I was looking up Theodred earlier to make sure that we had his name right and weirdly it looks like Theodred's face that's bizarre I know it's weird um, and I did want to talk about how we got to the number 10 because you see the yes. same group of horses in a couple of scenes. So you first see them at the at the ford. Um, it's dark, it's raining, and there's a lot of interspersed cuts, so it's really hard to get mm-hmm. an accurate account. Um, but that same company, then there's lots of beautiful like aerial shots of the company riding like in a double-breasted column back to the city and so that's when we were able to get a more accurate count yes and also um a, a count of the colors of horses that yes. are there so do you want to run through this really fast yes so we have firefoot in front behind him yes. two horses the one closest to us is a chestnut the one next to it is a bay Next row, closest, those are both dark horses. The one closest to us is a little blacker, and the one farther away is browner, but we can't see them well enough to determine anything beyond that. Um, Horses six and seven are a dark bay and a white dapple, respectively. Eight and nine are another white dapple, but a little lighter than the previous one, and another dark horse, maybe black, maybe very dark brown. And then 10 and 11 are dark and chestnut, respectively. Wow. So that's um, his little company. Do we want to give them a uh, group name? Yes. What should it be? <laughs> Say it. Uh, Aemer's boys. <laughs> oh, the dirty horse boys. Um, Filthy horse boys. Filthy horse boys. We haven't gotten here in the book yet, but there's some great sections of the orcs talking and... On three different occasions, they refer to the men of Rohan as first, cursed horse breeders, second, cursed horse boys, 
and third, filthy horse boys. Yo, 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 we're the filthy horse boys. Hey, yo. Should we, is it wrong to name them the filthy horse boys? I kind of like it. I know we've, we've, we've kind of tried to go for more like tonally appropriate names in the past, and I'm fine if that is, um, you think would be a better fit. No, I think we should name them the filthy horse, the blah, I can't talk, but the filthy horse the boys. The filthy horse boys. Yeah. Okay, great. And so there are 10 of them. So, so far we're at 14 for the section. Wow. Okay. Um, what's our next, what's our next horse? I think. Or what's our next? We should hop, I think we should hop back to the books for a little bit. Are you sure? Yeah, because, um, I think the next horse in the movie is Mary and Pippin stuff that we will also see in the books. (sighs) Oh yeah, that's true. Okay. Are we, wait a second. Oh my god, where are we? Okay, we're can we jump ahead in the books to the Mary and Pippin? So that's chapter three, the Urukai, and then we'll come back to chapter two when we get there. Oh, in the that movies. feels complicated. I feel like I know, but we I feel like maybe it, look, if we go back to the book, then we're at where Aomer and his larger band talk to Ottergorn, um, which does not happen point. for a ways in the movie. So we have to it's okay. We're just going to hold that spot where they have their meetup and go to chapter okay. three, the Urukai, where we get the story from Pippin's perspective, basically. Yes. Yes. I? Uh, yeah, which is interesting because I feel like of the, of Mary and Pippin in the movies, Mary has very much been the POV character. Yeah, I feel like neither of them have been in the movie. Yeah. Maybe in moments, but not to the extent that we get here. I really enjoyed this chapter, actually, because we get, like, Pippin's perspective. And and we see, like, Pippin being really, like, resourceful and clever, Resourceful, too. yeah. Um, yeah. Which is cool. I also just want to note that, like, as shitty as Tolkien's treatment of the orcs is, he does give them way more dialogue than Peter Jackson ever so, does. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about this... Yeah, really briefly. Yeah, because because they have more dialogue and more personhood in the books. Yeah. Which I can't tell, I can't decide if that's better or worse than for them to be, like, nameless creatures to be, like, slaughtered and scared of. Or if it's worse for them to have, like, some element of characterization and then be like, but also these creatures which are human and standing for human are inherently evil and right like is it better to humanize them right and still slaughter them or not humanize them and slaughter them (laughs) yeah well and there's there's just like weird like there's fucking there's orc capitalism like one of the orcs talk about like doing something to get paid more yeah um it's just and there's i mean there's this like there are tonal whiplash there are like two or three different like orc tribes or factions the book uses the word tribes but um, yeah that don't that don't speak the same yeah, language they, and so they, they have all to speak, speak the different... common ton of, of men to communicate yeah it's interesting stuff um but basically like pippin kind of pieces his memory together and um is immediately like like his first conscious thought as or not even conscious. It's like the end of, yeah. like, he's in a dream at the beginning of this chapter. And he thinks, where is Mary? And where then he wakes Mary? up. Um, and, yeah. and Mary is lying that. beside him, white-faced, with a dirty rag bound across his brows. The continuation of 
many um like frightening dream sequences from Tolkien. I'm surprised because yeah. I feel like scary dreams are such a like that is such fodder for cinema. I'm I'm surprised they like never dipped into that. Yeah, besides um, like the yeah Frodo yeah. Visions. I also noted right that his first thought was of Mary, which is very good. Yeah. Do you? Okay, I have a question, and I don't know what the kind uh-huh. of like larger understanding in fandom is because I've never actually participated in. Oh wow, you think I'm in the fandom? Well, no, but <laughs> I expect. Thank you. <laughs> I expect you to know slightly more than I do. Maybe. Do you ship Mary and Pippin and do other people? Oh, that's a good question. I actually. I don't ship Merry and Pippin because they very much have, like, they are so important and care for each other, mm-hmm. but feel to me the, the energy is more of, like, friends and family members than of yeah. romance, especially when, he- like, especially, like, if there hadn't been Frodo and Sam and how, like, obvious that is right there, right. I think there's a, po- th- there's yeah. a possibility there, mm-hmm. but I think compared, like, that's a candle compared to the sun of Frodo and Sam, so I right. never really read it that way. Yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure that, I'm sure that people have and do. Aren't they, are they related? Are they're like cousins or something? The Brandy oh, books and the Tooks are like they might be actually on. I mean, which like, unfortunately would not would not prevent people from shipping them, but right. That's well, the and I mean, I you. think even in like the way Tolkien talks about like Hobbit, it's yeah, you know, it's a family much, trees and things. It like lots of cousins, it's much were, broader and yeah. less yeah. But yeah, I feel um, like there's something about on maybe on Pippin's mother's side. I don't know. Anyways, I'm pretty sure they refer to themselves as kin as kinsmen too. Okay, yeah. I I think I agree. Like I like them as friends and I think it it's always this this question of like I want friendships like good close like tender friendships to be portrayed and I also want gay relationships to be portrayed yeah. and you know yeah, totally. it like I don't ever want the one to erase the other etc. Yes. Um but yeah, it is I, very yeah. sweet the like the care that Pippin exhibits for Mary throughout this section. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and there's uh, like I think um movie Mary and Pippin like Billy Boyd and uh, Dominic Monaghan have such good chemistry. Like there's a brief moment in the movie that I want to talk about because it just like cuts me to the quick every time, which is where it's when we first see Mary and Pippin um, in this movie. And it's, you know, a similar scene from the book. Mary is injured and Pippin is like realizing this and is asking for the, um, the, the Urukai around him to help him. And they give him like some sort of draught to revive him and kind of tease him but then there's like a quiet moment where the orcs start to run again and Mary who is clearly hurt and in pain says to Pippin Pippin's like you're hurt and Mary's like nah I'm fine and Pippin looks at him and Mary says see fooled you too which makes me go oh ouchie yeah yeah hey ouchie very much so um it is interesting because like that the like stuff that they give Mary is in the book too. In fact, like we get a little more detail there, um, which is mm-hmm. like he was healing Mary and oh, so first he like smears Mary's wound with some dark There's, stuff like, yeah. out of a small wooden box. Mary cried out and struggled wildly, 
and then they like jeer at him. He was healing Mary in orc fashion, and his treatment worked swiftly. When he had forced a drink from his flask down the hobbit's throat, cut his leg bonds, and dragged him to his feet, Mary stood up, looking pale but grim and defiant, and very much alive. The gash in his forehead gave him no more trouble, but he bore a brown scar to the end of his days. Um, and it's interesting to me that they have, like, medicine that powerful yeah medicine which seems to be like the draught feels like a real equivalent for like the the elf draught that they drink um throughout when the fellowship is still together yeah but we haven't seen that sort of like efficacy of healing medicine before so it's interesting that it's from the orcs yeah and it's obviously like unpleasant but it like it works shit works yeah yeah i don't know also, they don't just carry Mary and Pippin the whole time. Like, they make them run for they a while. They make them run. And it's... Yeah. Uh, honestly, like, this whole passage, I understand, like, shortening it in the movie. But this chapter is, like, horrific. Like, Mary and Pippin go through, like, big T trauma here in a way that, yeah. like, is really, like, glossed over in the movie yeah yeah well and the way that Tolkien describes it like he talks about how they lose their sense of time because everything becomes like a tunnel of misery yeah like they're just like floating in and out of like actual nightmares and like living nightmares and yeah it's it's rough yeah um luckily they do not stay there no at some point um when the orcs argue with each other um and then, like, the Urukai kill some of them. Um, Pippin is able to cut his bonds and then sort of pseudo-reties his wrists so they look bound, but he can free himself later. Um, very clever thinking ahead. There's also there's also a scene where he, like, runs away from the group into grass that he knows um, the rest, the, like, the column of orcs and Urukai, like, won't run over, so he's able to leave... Uh, undisturbed tracks for strider and that's where he leaves his his um leaf of lorian brooch yes. for for i strider he's not strider anymore for aragorn to find yeah look he would probably still answer to strider wow you know i just this is silly but i had not in this moment thought before about how much this book cares about like multiple identities with Gollum and smeagol oh, and, and strider and aragorn yeah yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um Gandalf too actually we get kind of that yeah, feature. Yeah, Gandalf is reborn and it's it's very clearly not just Gandalf is is brought back scot free. It's Gandalf is is reborn with a different identity. Yeah. Yeah, so the the last spot I want to talk about here is like Merry and Pippin's actual escape, which in the book like Pippin very intentionally like leads on this orc to think that they like they don't have the ring on them but they have access to it and he even makes like golem noises yeah he imitates golem to yes Zelda. yeah yeah and it's really i don't know it's really fascinating to to me like it says for a moment pippin was silent then suddenly in the darkness he made a noise in his throat golem golem Nothing, my precious, he added. And then, like, the goblin Ugh. is like, oh! Um, and yeah. then carries them away. And 
various things happen. And in... Including, that's where we kind of line back up with the movie again. Yes. Um, including a horse rearing over them. Yeah, so so at, as they're in the process of escaping, the Rohirrim are, have been in the process of beginning the assault on the um, Urukai and the orcs. So this one, this one orc that they're kind of tricking carries them away from the front line of the battle. And yeah, and like through are... a gap in the Rohirrim because the Rohirrim have like surrounded them and lit watch fires and are just like waiting until dawn for the most part. And like and like riding in and um and shooting from horseback and riding back out. It's yeah. actually like uh, we haven't encountered that much like actual fighting in the books, um, but paints a compelling and terrifying portrait of you know the orcs being like harried for several days by these horsemen yeah yeah it's really interesting so in in the movie we see that shot of the horse rearing and we mm -hmm. suspect that it is firefoot right no oh we don't no i thought we decided it was someone else because because that horse has a completely dark nose oh you're right you're right it's a different horse. You're yeah. right. It's a different horse. It does have some like little white splotches on its underside, like one in its armpit primarily. Yeah. And, and just... it has little white coronets. And so we, we can't see a lot of this horse. You pretty much see it's like the camera is laying flat on the ground and looking up at this horse above. It's this yeah. horse rear. So pretty much we see like the underside of its belly and legs and the underside of its nose. Yes. So we can and see just it's like horse. a glimpse of those front paws front hooves as it like yeah. does this i'm making motions at caitlin that you cannot see because this is an audio oh i had been, i had been format. making them earlier wow we're both <laughs> sitting here fucking okay anyways yeah and we can also see I, I i don't know why i found this detail very charming but you can see um like very barely in the bottom of the screen just the little tips of boots poking through the stirrups yeah. And you can also see on this this darker horse down um farther down its belly like past its girth. Yeah, it has some little like lighter variations. Yeah. yeah. Um it, interestingly enough in the book it says mm -hmm. the hobbits remained flat on the ground as Grishnok had left them. Another horseman came riding swiftly to his comrade's aid, whether because of some special keenness of sight or because of some other sense. The horse lifted and sprang lightly over them. But its rider did not see them, lying yeah. covered in their elven cloaks, too crushed for the moment and too afraid to move. Yeah. And there is an earlier line where one of the orcs says, like talking about the Rohirrim, that they have better night eyes than most men from all I've heard. And don't forget their horses. They can see the night breeze, or so it is said. So, more horse lore. Rohan horses horse lore. can see the fucking night breeze. The good, the Rohan horses are the good stuff. Yeah. So, um, what do we want to call this horse? Oh, the movie? rearing horse. Um, what's a name that evokes a near brush with death? <laughs> oh, we could name the horse Close Call. That feels too racehorsey and not like yeah. Rohan enough. It's a little it's a little on the nose. On the on the muzzle. Yeah. Um something something about like I feel a lot of the 
horse names are foot related, but something about like flying feet because it's rearing with its feet in the air. Oh yeah. Or um wait, hold on. Oh, I was curious of like what what's like the death deity in like Norse mythology because like the Rohirrim are very like Nordic in certain ways. Um, yeah. But oh, it's... we could name it like Hela or something. Right. Hela. That, yeah, that's basically what it is. Um, yeah, I'm 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 kind of into that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's call okay. it Hella. Hella. That's an extra fun As thing in for Hella frickin' clothes for our Hobbit for boys. Ao, our fellow Friends at the Table fans too. Yes, Hella has two hooves. <laughs> <laughs> yep, for her two girlfriends. Great, great. Um, um okay. Do you want to keep moving forward in the movie, movie? Yes. and, and yes. cut back yeah. in the book? Yeah. Okay, so we we had kind of begun to talk about this in the book. We're jumping back to the three heroes, and they're um, standing on the plains of Rohan, and the the great host comes riding past them. It's um, Aemir's Aered, who this is in the book. This is Wait, our, our I'm sorry, introduction are we to just, Are we just skipping over Aemir being like going and talking to Theoden in our first sighting of Eowyn? Oh, you know, we, no, we should, we should talk about that. I just, it's not in my notes because there's no. Because there's no horses, but we do need to talk about it. Um, oh, oh, actually, I forgot, a, I forgot a horse from my notes too. There oh, is no. a horse there. It's not a living horse, but it's an important horse. Oh, it's true. There is a horse. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but we, but we do have to talk about yeah, wait, the golden hall and our golden shining lady. Yes. So. Oh, can I tell you my Eowyn factoid? Yeah. So, um, Eo is obviously, like, the root word for horse, which is why you see, like, Eo uh, in, uh-huh. in, in the, yeah, like, yeah, ro- yeah. in the Rohirrim language, yeah. is, which is why you see Eo popping up again and again, and win is for joy. And so, Eowyn oh. is someone who takes joy in horses. Eowyn is a horse girl! Like, literally. That's, wow. Yeah. I love it. That's great. Um, yeah, so we see, like, Aemir return. That's, oh, that actually happens before the battle with the orcs, then. Because the battle with the orcs happens after Aemir is exiled. I'm actually, I don't remember in the movie. We know that I'm pretty sh- in the books, sure. is has been exiled for choosing to go chase the orcs. Yeah, okay. Um, anyways... Uh, we're all out of order, but we're talking about all the things, and that's what's important. They go to Edoras. They mm-hmm. there's Which a scene beautiful. of like Eowyn and Aemir like beside the bed of Theodred, right? Yeah. So so Eowyn's introduction is like her like running up the stairs to the great hall, and it's like incredibly windy, and the wind is like whipping her dress and her like long hair around, and she kind of runs inside. Um having received the news that Eomer and um, Theodred are back and Theodred is like laid out in the bed and with Eomer sitting next to him and she like runs over and like presses a hand to his cheek and then pulls the sheets back to look at his wound and like oh, realizes yeah, and kind that of winces. he's going to die. Yes. Yeah. I remember. She is beautiful and also so depressed. She's so depressed. Like. Um, which, uh, you know, understandable Eowyn girl. is just like sitting in her room listening to Mitski nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
a thing well, I have never personally done myself at all ever. Uh-uh, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's and we'll get we'll get in the next section. There's so there's so many good AON moments. Yeah. My um best friend throughout like junior high and high school, um, shout out to Rosanna. I miss you. Um, had like Aowen hair. Like it was like past her oh, butt. Wow. And like yeah. when she took it out of a braid, it was like wavy like that and like straw blonde and beautiful. Wow. I remember so uh vividly in the Battle of Helm's Deep, there's a shot of her. It's after Aragorn comes back and she's depressed still mm-hmm. and she um like has her elbows up above her head and like ties her hair back into a knot as she like gets to work and it's just like it's yeah. um it was very important to young caitlin for reasons i did not understand at the time <laughs> yeah let's say yeah um and we are introduced to grima or worm tongue who's the worst we hate him i yeah it i i actually really like brad Dorif, the actor he's such a delight but yeah he's so he's so like excellently just like hateable as worm oh yeah absolutely and there is a a a wooden horse head in profile hanging in the hall yeah which we which we have to point out to continue our you know yes like like the prancing pony sign yeah we got to talk about this horse yeah and so that's at uh minute marker 2446 yeah. So all, all of the horses that we have talked about so far have been, this is literally in the first a five minute, minutes. It's a five, well, right. And, and starting within there oh, yeah, at, at like 22. 22 minutes. So it's, yes. it's all within like a three or four minute chunk because the story has been elsewhere so far. But yes. it's, the horse density of this episode is mwah. So many horses. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to give this horse an honorary name, even though it will not be included in our final ranking? Yes, I would love to. Um, let me think about... Oh, you know, this is, like, kind of cheating, but I also think it's important because the horse is such a, like, a, a culturally important signifier to Rohan, and, like, mm-hmm. there's horse motifs on absolutely everything. Like, that set is so thoroughly and uh, dressed down to such minute detail of there's horses on everything. Yeah. And so I feel like we should name this horse Meduseld. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, like, the name of the... the Of the Golden Hall itself. Of the castle. Of the seat okay. of the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Meduseld. Yeah. Great. Okay, yeah. So Meduseld the horse. Beautiful. Okay. And then in the movie, it's after that that we go to... Because Aomer is exiled. Um, and then we go to them attacking the orcs which we've already talked about and then yeah. we go to them meeting up with the three hunters Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli yes yes you're yes you're absolutely right okay so now we can talk about this they do a cool thing where they gallop past and then Aragorn calls out and then they like circle around them and it's so great it's thrilling. Yeah, I actually, I really, I we should read this segment from the book really fast because I think it's really neat. Yeah, I um, gotta go. Oh, I, you know what? I already read it <laughs> earlier when we were talking about this, like an hour ago. 
Wait, did you? I talked about when they, like, are writing up. And then, so, Aragorn, like, pops out and announces Oh, himself, yes, yes, yes. But then it says... With astonishing speed and skill, they checked their steeds, wheeled, and came charging round. Soon the three were, the three companions found themselves in a ring of horsemen moving in a running circle, up the hill slope behind them and down, round and round them, and drawing ever inwards. Yeah. And that's where Aemir appears. I... It is, and I just want to point out, we had that discussion about Strider not being Strider anymore, but when he introduces himself after Aemir is like, who are you and what are you doing in this land? He says, I am called Strider. I came out of the north. I am hunting orcs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we love our socially awkward boy. <laughs> yeah, it's great. This whole thing is is great. Like, both in books and movie, like, the kind of, like, bristling and sizing each other up. It is. Um, There's lots of good stuff. I I made a note in the movie Legolas and Gimli are gay at 3309, presumably because yeah. Gimli is like being prickly and Legolas is then like protective of him. Yeah, yeah. So in the in the in the movie, it's like Gimli is being prickly because they're surrounded and um, Aomer like won't give his name, and in the books, it's because. Uh, Aomer insults uh, Galadriel. He like, refers to it yeah, as like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so there's the like, Gimli's like, I'll fight you, and Aomer's like, I'd remove your head if it but had beard and all if it stood but a little higher from the ground. And Legolas immediately draws and is like, Don't touch my boyfriend. You would be dead. Like yes. you would be dead before your blade fell or something. Yep, exactly. It is very gay. Um, there's also this moment when. Like, Aragorn, like, Aemir is kind of pressing him on stuff, and it says, Aragorn threw back his cloak. The elven sheath glittered as he grasped it, mm. and the bright blade of Anduril and of... Do you pronounce it Anduril or Anduril or... In the movie, they say Anduril. Okay. But it feels like with the emphasis, it should be An- Anduril, but... I'm, Anyways. I certainly don't understand Elvish. Um, shone like a sudden flame as he swept it out. Elendil, he cried, I am Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and am called Elisar, the Elf Stone, Dunedain, the heir of Isildur, Elendil's son of Gondor. Here is the sword that was broken and is forged again. Will you aid me or thwart me? Choose swiftly. Gimli and Legolas looked at their companion in amazement, for they had not seen him in this mood before. <laughs> yeah, and see, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, with the, like, Gollum, um, Smeagol, Gandalf, you know, with, with the changing identities, like, there's, there's several instances where, like, when Aragorn, like, really intentionally, like, c- kind of takes up the mantle of, like, kingliness and nobility, it's not just that he's different, it's that he's so different that his companions are, like, shocked by the change and don't recognize yeah. him. Like, the same thing happens when they're in the boat passing under the Argonath. It's literally, yeah, yeah, like... Yeah. Well, and it happened, like, I mean, in our very... F- man in our boat? Right. It happened in, like, our very first chapter with Aragorn in The Prancing Pony when he's, like, yeah. in the, you know, sitting room with the hobbits and suddenly, like, mm-hmm. stands up straight and says his full name. And they're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Is... So... It, is Aragorn a magical girl? <laughs> oh, my God. He, like, undergo He undergoes a transformation sequence, like... An important part of which is, like, saying his name. 
yes. his like magic weapon. Yeah, he's like moon princess makeup or whatever the phrase is, and then oh like puts God, his hand up, yeah. and then the light swirls around him. And uh, his his unfortunately his thing would be like, I am not doomed to repeat the mistakes of my forefathers. <laughs> For the honor of Grayskull. (laughs) Wow, I want a little animation of that now. That would be great. So the horses. Yeah, yeah, there's horse lore here, which is... There are so many horses. Oh, yeah, let's... You're right, you're right. Let's do that first. I got excited about horse lore. So... Oh, yeah, there's that so too. many horses. But let's, let's talk about these horses. So, yeah, so in, in the book. Yes, in the book, Legolas says there are 105, and you pointed out that an Aored, which is like the standard sort of unit of armed horse riders in Rohan, um, is a. Which 100- I learned from the wiki, and also, um, Aemir refers to his riders yeah, as Yeah, he his says, Aored. tell the Aored to assemble on the path, um, is 120 horses and we were like wait why are there mm-hmm. only 105 but i forgot that he says that they lost 15 men in the orc battle they yeah. lost 15 men and 12 horses which is why they have only 105 it's, men it's 15 men and 12 horses alas. and why they have three extra horses yes and he yes and he does say we lost 15 men and 12 horses alas and it definitely alas. sounds like he is more upset about the loss of horses than of men <laughs> Yeah. So in the movie, what this looks like is exactly what it sounds like. It's 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 very impressive. It's so many like horsemen riding around and circling in this pretty impressive like cavalry maneuver. Yeah. Is this uh, where it, they had a bunch of uh extras who were women? Yeah. Yeah. So or one of the um places? they put out a call for extras who could like come up here in this thing, had riding skills, and most importantly, could like had their own horse and could transport it. And so they put out this open casting call and who showed up in New Zealand were predominantly women. And so like most of the row theorem that you see writing are women, which I think is, is, is kind of fun. And then adds like an extra layer of like meta interesting because they dress all these women up as men. So, you know, attached to their helmet, they have like all of the like, blonde hair that these Rohirrim writers have is just attached to the helmet and then they all have face um like helmets on to obscure their Mm -hmm. features um so how we went about trying to figure out how many you actually see on screen was complicated and yeah um we we did a lot of pausing and counting um and trying to like extrapolate based there's there's never a shot where you see the entire column. And so we counted kind of in several different areas and then tried to use that to like backwards calculus to how many we thought there were. Yeah, the best shot I could find that had the most horses in it, it was somewhere around 63 horses, give or take, but the camera is clearly like partway into a row of horses on the one side. So we are... We can safely assume that there are more horses. We are estimating... That it's like 75 horses. Canonically, it should be 105. I don't think there are that many. I don't think it's fully 105. But yeah, yeah so we're, we're, we are estimating 75 and we're assuming that it's like the 11 that we saw before because Aemir is on Firefoot again. Um, plus... Yeah, which is actually a dozen because it's it's Aemir, it's Firefoot, and it's um, Hela, the horse from the battle. So it's it's a full dozen. 
you don't think Hella is one of the filthy horse boys? No. Okay. <laughs> because I know we can't see a lot of detail on those horses, but it's got the little coronet. Yeah, I think if Hella were one of those horses, it would be number nine, um, which was the darkest, maybe black one. But yeah, I understand. Also, if- it's a nice even number if if it's a if it's like a dozen, you know. Yeah. Okay. So, although I still can't do math, so then does that li- leave it's us seventy five minus a dozen, which is sixty three. Sixty three horses. Okay. And we have a special treat for you. Because we do, we're gonna pull out a few, a couple more of those horses first, right? And then oh, you're right, you're okay, right. Okay, so there is and then a, a horse. Special train. Yes, there's a horse that we keep seeing like behind Aemer as he talks to Otterborn that has mm-hmm. like a white blaze that goes like right, like over one of its eyes, like kind of like an eyebrow. There's like a patch yeah. of white. It's hard to see the whole thing because it's, it's wearing very like cute. a helmet. It's like um, it's like the OC eyebrow scar, you know. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but it's cute. And so we're going to name that horse. I don't know what, what do we're going to name, name that it. horse. Um... Let's let's each pick like a horse to pick out. So yours is eyebrow horse and then I'll pick. Yeah, I just don't have a good name for it. I should have thought um, about this. What's like a punk Rohirrim name? Hella. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I bet Hella has an awesome eyebrow scar. Um, a oh oh, I have an idea. Okay, <laughs> so dumb. Oh, Ao Winnie. <laughs> Perfect. Writing it in. How's that spelled, Joey? E o w h i n n y. Ayo Winnie. Wow. Perfect. Okay, the horse is I wanna highlight from this uh-huh. batch. Um there and the best way to see them is um at minute marker thirty-nine, I'm gonna say forty-six or forty-seven. Um the kind of circle of horses parts because they're about to introduce Hasafel and Aaron. But mm-hmm. um, on the right side of the screen, there are, you know, all the horses are lined up. And there's three horses in a row who, it just looks like they, like, clone stamp three horses. Like, these horses yeah. are the same height. They have the exact same markings on their face. They all are, like, kind of pale horses with the exact same little brushes of gray around their nostrils and, and muzzle. They're like, not, well, they're, they're all bays with like a white blaze but their noses are all pale they're n- no they're they're not bays are they chestnuts they're chestnuts no they're they're pale horses what does pale mean they're they're grays they're like gray dapples of a sort and then there's a bay with a blaze and then there's a mare's horse i think you're wrong i'm sorry i it that <laughs> oh no this is gonna be what tears the podcast apart <laughs> Are these fucking horse NPCs? I have a picture of them here, and they are absolutely brown horses that you cannot- Send me the picture. Yeah. Hold on. Boy, I sure wish we could take screenshots of Lord of the Rings. It would be so nice. Stares into the camera. 
So I have to scroll past all these pictures of frogs. I'm going to be so mad if I'm wrong about these horses. I sent it in Discord. Oh, there it is. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) I'm so mad at you for being right, as you frequently are. Yeah. Okay. Like, don't doubt my memory on shit. I mean, they might not be bays, they might be chestnuts, but the way their, like, nostrils and lips are, like, grayer makes me think that they are bays. Is their, yeah, their little noses are, like, weirdly pale, and then they have the exact same, like, little dip of gray at the end. It's very cute. Yeah. And they're, they're, um, they just happen to be standing next to each other, and it's very, like, three stooges. Yeah. Yes. They are cute, and they are matching. They're just also predominantly brown. (laughs) I'm gonna name them the three stooges, despite you. Great. Okay. Okay, so we have Aowenny and the Three Stooges. So minus those two, our our previous total was sixty three. Minus <laughs> four is fifty nine. No, no, no. Where's four? Oh, yeah. There's Three Stooges. Oh God, you just. You put, <laughs> oh I got. I was so afraid. I've. We shouldn't. What are we doing? We Joey. Okay, we're fifty nine. Math. Wait, calm Why? down. What are? What calm are down. Fifty nine okay. minus Hasifel yes. and Arid is 57. 57. Okay, so we have 57 um, horses, and as a special treat for you... We're gonna name all of them. We're gonna name all of them with the help of the Rohirrim name generator from fantasynamegenerators.com. I think the goal is 57 horse names in 57 seconds. Wow. Okay. Um, do you want to just, let's start at the top of the list and just toss back and are forth? We, yeah, we're j- going to just alternate. Yeah. And I think speed is the name of the game here. Yeah. Okay. Go. Okay. Balfa. Thrayer. Thrayer Fred. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Fucking <laughs> that was incredible. Balfa. Thrayer Fred. Widkinston. Fenling. Erkenbald. Hareleth. Grim Grim. Walda. Falkred. Erkenston. Edfra. Balgal. <laughs> I love Tina Balgal in the morning. Finlaf. <laughs> Leobeam. Holdgar. Durnolf. Falleth. Deor. Gleomer. Heostor. Deorfred. Heomod. Balbrand. Widfa. Durnhelm. Oh, wait. We have to skip that one because that's the name Eowyn takes when she dresses up as a man. Oh, really? I did not remember that. Yeah, it literally okay. means shadow helmet, so yes. Fuck, that's good. Okay, Theolf. Dunmod. And then we have to skip Geralf. Yes. Full Queen. Britta. Theowena. Durnwen. Aelwyn. Bayron. Darrowin. Theodwine. Daronile. Tidhild. Gimwara. Harrogeth. Harrowin. Hahild. Gerlita. Frumlith. Dunrith. Kaelwen. Widnild. Summerhild. Tidith. Derndis. Dunwena. Aelwell. Goldrith. Halida. Guthwin. Durnwara. Gleowin. This is a double. Eavild. Oh, perfect. And then this last one will be the last one. Werewin. And that was the list minus three, which was exactly 57. Beautiful. Beautiful. So that's all those horses. Um, Please watch the movie carefully and assign each one. You are responsible for keeping track of which is which. Yep. Yep, that's on you. That's on you. That's between you and them. Okay, so Hasifel and Arad. Let's talk about them. Oh, um, actually... 
You know yeah. what? Never mind. Yeah. You're right. I was going to say, what should we call this group? But I am, in fact, going to copy and paste that list and take out the duplicates into our Google Doc. So you're right. Um, right. I mean, we can loosely call them the Aored, but they do have individual names. Okay. Oh, wait. Hold on. I'm sorry. We we have to go back to math really fast. Yeah. Um, the Aored. What? The total number is 70. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the number is 63. We just got to 57 because, of course, because we've already... No, no, no. It's 63 minus 2. It's 61 because we'd already named... Because 61 uh, minus the, 4 the is the Three Stooges and whatever I named that Aowini. other horse. Aowini, yes. So for the count, so we're not double counting horses... We're adding from that group 61 to the total count. Yes. Yes. And okay, we will great. count Hasafel and Arad on their own. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is yes. why I took away two from the 63. Yes, yes, yes. yes. No one at us yep. about math. Yep. Look, it's difficult to be audio archivists. It's difficult to do what we're doing. We don't know why we're doing it. We're filthy horse boys. Filthy horse boys. <laughs> Um, Joey, I would love more than anything to have matching denim jackets with you that say Filthy Horse Boys on the back. Oh my god. We gotta make that happen. Podcast merch. Okay. Yeah. So, Hasafel and Aaron. Yeah, so Hasafel is, in Mm -hmm. the book, described as a great gray horse. And then Arad is described as lighter, smaller and lighter with a more fiery personality or something like that. Rest, restive and fiery. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then they put Legolas and Gimli together on the smaller horse, which seems... Y'all, y'all have been assigned a ship. Yeah. I do just want to point out that line um, because... Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's also a great thing about Gimli not wanting to get on a horse. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so on page 42 in my book, um, oh, also, so I just want to say, um, Legolas asked them to take off saddle and rein. I need the knot, he said, and leaped lightly up, and to their wonder, Edard was tame and willing beneath him, moving here and there with but a spoken word. Such was the elvish way with all good beasts. Gimli was lifted up behind his friend, and he clung to him. Not much more at ease than Sam Gamgee in a boat. It's great. And before they get on the horses, so um, there's oh, like yes. a whole back and forth where Aomer is like, like where Aragorn is trying to convince Aomer to let them pass through Rohan, which is illegal. And there's, we're not going to get too much into it. Um, it's like illegal to have people wandering their lands when they're kind of like on the verge of war and they're worried about spies from Saruman. Uh, but there's this really great conversation about uh, about what is legal versus what is, like, moral and ethical, which is a timely conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was interesting. Aemir obviously agrees to let them go. He, like, recognizes the urgency of their, mi- their mission and, you know, furthermore says, um, You may go, and what is more, I will lend you horses. This only I ask. When your quest is achieved or is proved vain, return with the horses over the Antwade to Meduseld the high house in Edoras where Theoden now sits. Thus shall you prove to him that I have not misjudged. In this I place myself, and maybe my very life, in the keeping of your good faith. Do not fail. 
Wow. So there's that great, very tense moment. And then they call the horses over and um, Gimli, Gimli oh, yeah. does not well, want to do it. Well, Aethane dares to speak openly because everyone is like, really, you're going to give our horses oh, to they stole strangers? That, that's where the name of the kid comes from. They took oh, yeah, Aethane. Aethane, the name yes. of the kid, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. from the, the name of this writer. Right. And he says, it may be well enough for this lord of the race of Gondor, as he, as he claims, he said. But who has heard of a horse of the mark being given to a dwarf? No one, said Gimli, and do not trouble. No one will ever hear of it. I would sooner walk than sit on the back of any beast so great, free or begrudged. And Aragorn says, like, you have to ride or you're going to slow us down. And then, come, you shall then... sit behind me, friend Gimli, said Legolas. Then all will be well and you need neither borrow a horse nor be troubled by one. It's so good. They're in They're love. They're in love. Love is helping your love overcome their fears and worries in the world and easing their path, you know, like offering to let them ride in the horse, ride the horse with you. Yeah. Or, you know, going along with them when they're going alone to Mordor because they have a destiny and it's terrifying. Oh. Okay. So in wow. the book, um, oh, you, you've already described them. Um, so let's, let's meet them in the movie. What does Hasafel mm-hmm. look like? That's such a great question. Hasafel is brown uh, uh-huh. and has white front socks. He, yes, he is chestnut-ish is what I wrote, which means he's all one color, not mm-hmm. a contrasting mane and tail. Um, and yes, and Arad is white-ish. <laughs> he has this, he has a hor- horse hair. And what did I, what did I call... The tail at one point when we were talking about horse coloration, I the said back mane. Back mane. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, actually, Arad is interesting because he's he's like a dapple, yeah. like a, a white or light gray dapple. But, but the dapple usually means kind of, of consistent color variation throughout. Yeah, and but Arad is this... like. Go ahead. No, go. You go ahead. <laughs> oh well, so Arad is like kind of blanket white and then has these small little patches of like stippling or like dark yeah marks kind of like him. clusters of it yeah yeah, yeah. which is which it's is interesting. interesting i also Arid looks a little bit taller than hasafel in the film um which makes sense given that they're putting two people on him but is different yeah he's i also want to note that like they once again give legolas a white horse because it's like impossible for elves to ride horses that aren't white and i'm just kind of over it oh oh yes and i'm sorry we do okay hasafel and erod plus two to the marker we have to go back really quickly in the books because there's important horse lore about um oh about oh yeah yeah oh yes so part of gimli and amir's early like um, kind of headbutting is Gimli asks if Rohan has been paying a tribute of horses to Sauron as they were told earlier. Yeah, because we uh, talked Amer. about this before because Gandalf yeah. like says that thing earlier, and we talked about the Black Riders potentially being yes. horses from Rohan. Yeah, and Eomer says we do not and we never have said Eomer with the flash of his eyes, though it comes to my ears that that lie has been told. Some years ago, the lord of the black land wished to purchase horses of us at great price, but we refused him, for he puts beasts to evil use. Then he sent plundering orcs, and they carry off what they can, choosing always the black horses. Few of these are now left. 
Yeah, so it, it is so interesting. the Black to, Riders yeah, the, might be Rohan horses, but not willingly from Rohan. It is, I mean, it, it is interesting that it speaks to their, like, fucking, like, design ethos. Like, we had speculated about them breeding specifically black horses, and sure enough. Yeah. Yep. Okay, onward. Yeah, we're, we're away from horses for a little bit. I do want to say... In the movie, at 50 minutes and 25 seconds, we're in a Frodo and Sam section, and I just wrote Frodo and Sam hand-holding, and I'm assuming yeah. that's because Sam was, like, helping Frodo with something. I don't remember, but their hands were held by Damn. each other. A held hand. And also they're in love. Okay, so let's let's clean up. Sorry, things are going to be a little piecemeal now because... Like we said at the top of the episode, like the the books and the movies don't line up as nicely as before. So we're kind of jumping around back and forth to try and keep things generally grouped. So what we have left is Treebeard and the White Rider. Yeah, let's talk about, uh, do you have anything you want to like point out about Merry and Pippin's interactions with Treebeard? Um, not really. They're, the ants are just so much more, like, nuanced and rich in the book. Like, so much. you get so much more sense of their own lost history. Like, the ant lives in the movie are almost played, like, it's not, it's not like a ha-ha laugh. It's kind of like a, a rueful laugh. But, the, like, the lost ant lives are kind of played for a little bit of a laugh yeah. in the film. And it's... It, it, I, it very much struck me as, like, a tragic story of, like, people losing their own history and culture. Yeah, and, and like, not being able to, like, carry it on. Like, it, yeah. like they're dying out and nothing yeah. is going to stop that because the wives are gone. Right. I do, there was a moment, and let me find my page number here. There's also some great oh. um, orc songs. Or not orc songs, good lord. Ent songs. songs. Yeah. On page oh, and again, 70... again, that like, um, you know, he, he was a, Tolkien was a, a linguist, so there's um, such an interest in like, exonyms versus, oh, fuck, <laughs> what's the opposite of an exonym? Like, what groups of people call themselves versus like, mm. what outside groups of people, so an exonym is what, um, like, the ants don't call themselves ants right yeah well and treebeard's whole thing about like his like his name too like being sort of cautious about sharing his whole name with people so easily and pippin and mary are like well i'm peregrine took um yeah yeah <laughs> um oh, it's, and also it's it's interesting yeah that names that um that names keep growing that like names grow with you yes. over the course of your life like yes. that that's really queer <laughs> like, yeah i mean as like as a person who has like i mean i've changed my first name and added a middle name but and and i really like those names i like the name joey yeah but lately i'm like oh there's so many other names in the world and sometimes i want to have those names okay we i know i know we're already running late but we do it's have to okay. do a very important brief diversion if you had to take the name of a lord of the rings character what would it be oh shit 
can can we come back to this like at the end yeah, you of can, our podcast? You can, you, you can rem- oh oh wait, do you mean like the end of today's podcast? No, or, like, like in the end like of a few months. The whole podcast. There's there's no way that we will remember that, but sure. Okay. Um. Maybe at the end, I feel like actually that conversation will circle back around as we like pick our favorite horses from like the huge yeah. list of horses. Yeah. Yeah. I I think. I think we'll get there. Okay, I wanted to say one thing about the Entwives, which is that in the book, it is more tragic, but there's also some weird, like, Treebeard, like, explains the history of the Entwives, like, losing the Entwives, and he's like, we liked the things that just happened and, like, wandering around, and the Entwives desired order by which they meant that things should remain where they had set them. So they made gardens, and then those gardens got destroyed by a war, and then they were gone. And it the feels... wives just nagged us, you know. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of shitty I, and sexist. It also, it also struck me that way. It's like the wives were trying to impose too much will on things, and that ultimately led to their demise. They held, you know, they held their men too tight. You just gotta let those men go, you know. Ugh. Gotta let them roam. Ugh. Shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I will say, like. We, we have talked off mic about this several times, but, like, my memory of reading these books earlier in life <clears throat> was of interesting parts being dispersed through, like, pretty, like, boring and bland parts. And mm-hmm. that has very much not been my experience this time around. But some of the, like, the Ent story about, like, losing the Ent wives was, like, it kind of brushed up on that for me a little bit. Mm, yeah. I... Also wanted to point out the line, um, Treebeard refers to Gandalf as the only wizard that really cares about trees, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, which I liked. And also I'm like, man, that's a major drag on Radagast, who's like the nature wizard. (laughs) The tree guy, who's the tree guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, I love the Ent song that's like about the different like types of people. Um, The list. I, so that, I like, think, doesn't include hobbits? And, and that the way that Treebeard consults it isn't just, like, thinks about it. It's like singing the alphabet song. It's like the way to yeah. use... The, the, the taxonomical classification song is to recite the entirety of the taxonomical classification song. I wrote, like, like school mnemonic songs, but I was thinking about, like, like the song that's, like, all the... Like, the geography song that's, like, every country. Oh, okay. Geography, not geology. Yes, yes. No, I was like, I don't know the song about rocks. Look, I would love a song about I, rocks. I felt really left out about not knowing the song to, about rocks. We're gonna have to write one. I mean, can can I be honest? I don't know the geography song earlier. I don't know shit about places I mean, where they are. I don't know the geography song, but I did learn it at some point, or at least part of it, and then promptly forgot it. Yeah. My point is. It feels like that. And also notably, um, humans are, it, it. the line about humans is man the mortal, master of horses. So to ends, all humans are humans. horse girls. That is what defines humans is that they're into horses. Honestly, I'll take it. That doesn't feel... No, it's the, great. There, there, there are are much more damning ways to like boil us down to our essential interests. So, like, I'll take it gladly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. 
I don't like how much Tolkien talks about Treebeard's toes. I've got to say. And well, and about it toes in particular. It's bad. Yeah. If you are writing a fantasy novel, don't talk about toes. We just don't need any information about them. Some readers might disagree. We don't need any of it. Um, okay. So, finally. The Ents have their Entmoot. Um, they decide to go to war. The Ents have their Entmoot. And the one other thing I want to say before we get to the White Rider is that you said, like, that the Ents have a lot more nuance, etc. in the book, of course. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I was sort of sad about is the conversation about, like, the trees that they shepherd in the movie is just like all trees are becoming evil and waking up is like how it came across. And in the book, it's like some trees are bad and some are not. And I mean, they're basically like people in that way. Like some trees just have a bad heart and it just feels weird to make it like, Oh no, the trees are waking up and they're all evil. Yeah. I totally hear that. So I actually, my like reaction to that passage of like, was like, Oh, of course, like Tolkien thinks that like, some sentient beings are just like inherently evil. Yeah, I mean that yes, that's problematic in its own ways, but I also didn't like the Peter Jackson interpretation of like the woods are bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and I mean, I it's at least the characters I, talk a lot about in in the book is like the way that different forests feel and even if they feel um, like unwelcoming or oppressive that that's not because the forest is evil it's because this is not a it's because the forest is its own ecosystem and like you're not supposed to be here yeah there's actually there's like a great um conversation kind of about that when the three hunters finally meet up with Gandalf where like Gimli is like but aren't they dangerous and Gandalf is like yeah so am I and so is Aragorn and so is Legolas and so are you like to different people and I don't know I liked I liked that yeah I did we we uh should keep moving to the white rider yes yes so in the movie this is fairly straightforward like the three of them go into the woods and then they see a figure and they're like oh it's Saruman like draw your bow etc. And then he speaks in a voice that I'm curious because it definitely sounds like it is both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which I actually really like. Yeah. No, they, they, um, they recorded Ian McKellen and, um, Christopher Christopher Lee Lee. over each other and blended them. And I, I thought that was actually like a really nice, quick way to do the visual shorthand of like, because otherwise, like, how do you explain not recognizing like someone dear to you who you're actively grieving for yeah yeah this scene uh, i didn't have any like major problems with it and maybe it's that like i'm just i feel sort of unsettled about it in the book too um i think like i just really feel for like the three of them when they kind of realize that like even though it's gandalf and he's back so much time has passed for him that hasn't passed for them that like he is different and that their relationship is not the same and yeah I, that comes through in the book too but not as strongly and it just like kind of hurts yeah yeah it, it does it does yeah this what happens to Gandalf is so like interesting to me because it operates like 
the scale of the story of Lord of the Rings is epic. Like, it's literally about, like, the fate of the world. And it's right. really interesting to me to just have thrown into the middle of it this story that operates on a totally different scale. Like, Gandalf, when fighting the Balrog, goes, like, down under the earth and, like... yeah. He, like encounters like eldritch horrors and then falls out of time itself like it, it's such a it's a, it's a hugely different um scale and i yeah that's that's what you're talking about is like these friends recognizing that like gandalf even though in some ways he still is himself like there's that wonderful moment when um aragorn is like you know not that much has changed you still speak in riddles my friend um, mm-hmm. But there, but although there Gandalf is... then like really zings him one, uh, he's like, like, "I'm only talking to the wisest person in the room because everyone else takes too much explaining." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but then, but that's followed up by like Aragorn asking more sincerely, like, "Won't you, won't you open your mind more thoroughly to me, like as a friend?" And Gandalf, yes, doesn't really explain himself. No, but he does a little bit. He's like, he okay, here, here's where we're at as far as I see it. Um, yeah. We get, we do get a little more, like, warmth and reconnection from him with with the three of them in, in the book, which I appreciate. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... Yeah. <sighs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's all the book. Let's catch up on the movie very quickly. We have just a few little things left um well which is, uh, well I think the, the last thing we have for both yeah. of them is our our namesake right is is there anything namesake. before that um there's the nazgul on the dread beast which is not a horse but we they talk about it oh, like a yeah. horse at one point and we yeah so let's actually let's do that really do fast they, do they ever name the the dread beast steeds yeah do it's they the dread- call it that here no, no, I don't know that they ever okay because I'm that in the movie. Um, uh, I guess I've just forgotten. I am not familiar with like the dread beast as like the terminology there. Um, that might be a thing that I'm familiar with through um like appendices and like design documents because mm. I remember thinking when I was like a kid and watched these that like nazgul was the name of the creature too like those things yeah are called nazguls yeah um there and is that's oh, where i was kind of at but can... it's clear in these passages that that is not the case yeah i i did want to talk about really fast oh oh yeah so um gandalf when he's talking to them about like what's going on mentions that that the writers are back and legolas is like oh yeah i think i shot one of those and Gandalf says, you only slew his steed. It was a good deed, but the rider was horsed soon again. For he was a Nazgul, one of the nine, who ride now upon winged steeds. Yeah, and apparently they just have as many winged steeds as they possibly need. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do. Can I tell a really fast diversion story about... Yes. Uh, one of my friends from college, she had a brother who was um, significantly younger than her, like, six or seven years or something Mm -hmm. who used to like in the way of middle school boys try and like impress her friends with his knowledge (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. she always told the story that I deeply loved because I related to it on some level about like her and her like college friends hanging around and like him trying to impress they're talking about like how how far it was from like St. Louis to Kansas City or something Mm -hmm. they were like 
you know, it's 120 miles. And he, like, casually leans on a, on a thing and goes, oh, as the Nazgul flies. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just... I could see myself so clearly oh my doing that when I was, like, in middle school. Like, yeah. As the Nazgul flies. Yeah. Wow. So, in chapter five, and near the end of our section of the movie, um, which was, we we watched until one hour, 12 minutes, and 40 seconds, mm-hmm. for your reference, um... Gandalf and the three hunters have been reunited and they go back out to the edge of the wood and Gandalf whistles. Um, in the book, Hasufel and Arad had like run away during the night before um, for mysterious reasons, aka they heard Shadowfax and went to hang out with him because they love horses more than their riders. I mean, to be fair, Shadowfax is like, I mean, Aragorn is also a king, but Shadowfax is like... Yeah. There's multiple kings of men. Like, Shadowfax is like the king of the horses. The king of horses. Yeah. Um, In the movie, Hasfel and Arad are just like waiting there, but then Shadowfax comes to join them. And we get our first visual of Shadowfax in the movie. Gandalf does this really cool whistle that's like oscillating kind of between two notes. It's like very wavery and there's a lot of reverb layered on. Um, It sounds really cool. And lo and behold, a white horse comes galloping across the plains. Yeah. It's Shadowfax. It's described very beautifully in the books as well. Yeah. Um, Here, I have the passage. Um, yeah, and I, I think you. it's worth reading at least this little chunk of it. So um, Gandalf is like, we got to go. And they're like, well, we don't have our horses. I shall not walk. Time presses, said Gandalf. Then lifting up his head, he gave a long whistle. So clear and piercing was the note that the others stood amazed to hear such a sound come from those old bearded lips. Three times he whistled, and then faint and far off, it seemed to them that they heard the whinny of a horse borne up from the plains upon the eastern wind. They waited, wondering. Before long, there came the sound of hoofs, At first, hardly more than a tremor of the ground, perceptible only to Aragorn as he lay upon the grass, (laughs) having at some point flung himself down again to listen. Yep. Um, And then um, Gandalf just explains that this is Shadowfax. He is the chief of the Maras, lord of the horses, and not even Theoden, king of Rohan, has ever looked on a better. Does he not shine like silver and run as smoothly as a swift stream? He has come for me. The horse of the white rider. We are going to battle together. Even as the old wizard spoke, the great horse came striding up the slope towards him. His coat was glistening, and his mane flowing in the wind of his speed. The two others followed, now far behind. As soon as Shadowfax saw Gandalf, he checked his pace and whinnied loudly. Then trotting gently forward, he stooped his proud head and nuzzled his great nostrils against the old man's neck. It's really good. Yeah. They're friends. They're yeah. established it's great. And friends. I mean, and they have a very sweet little moment in the movie, too. Speaking yeah. of which. Speaking of which. Let us return to the Grey Book, Ian McKellen's production blog. Here's what he says about Shadowfax. 
Peter Jackson has cast a white 16-year-old Andalusian stallion called Domero, who, standing at 16 hands, is more than up to the part, at least as far as looks are concerned. His alert ears pivot above his noble skull. His mane is thick and in no need of the false hair that some of the other horses, including Bill, wear in the film. He does have, he has the most beautiful forelock I've ever seen. It's, it's lovely. My trouble is in riding him, as Shadowfax spurns bridle bit reins and even a saddle. This might all be safe enough with stable lads and lasses at the ready, but often enough I am carrying a hobbit in front, and clinging to a three-foot-six hobbit isn't safe. (laughs) (laughs) I am very happy for Basil Clapham, my riding double, to do the galloping in my stead. Indeed, the first authentic image of Gandalf that has been broadcast across the internet, although not from this site, was not me at all, but Basil urging Shadowfax towards Helm's Deep. Actually, not Shadowfax either, but his fast-galloping double, 12-year-old gelding called Blanco. When I mount Domero, he is generally required to be stationary. Even so, the shift of haunches whenever he pulls his weight from one back leg to another can feel seismic aloft, and once Fawn, doubling for Pippin, and I slowly and safely slid to the soft grit of the lava field surrounding the volcano of of Ruapehu. So just like standing still, they just like (laughs) slid right off. Listen, we've all been there, okay? (laughs) Yeah, and then he has some other information about like Demero is is controlled off screen like a circus horse with the visual aid of two whips in the hands of Don Reynolds standing to one side of the camera. Sometimes the signal- Yeah, sometimes the signal is reinforced with his name, but Demero can walk, stop, and stand on his mark, a square meter of plank on which he bangs his hooves. To one side is Blanco, who, it seems, is needed to focus Shadowfax's attention, horses being sociable. I can't think why an understudy watching him perform should be considered a comfort. (laughs) (laughs) Why does this have the- this very much has the energy of, like, a Nancy Drew monologue. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and then he says, but then Demero, for all that he can recognize action and preempt his cue to walk, stop, or bang his plank, has no idea that he is acting, nor, more to the point, that the heavy weight and hobbit squirming on his spine are trying to act. We manage because Don Reynolds is persistent, and Demero has learnt well over their six months training together. Don has worked with many horses in movies, but I can't think he admired any of them more than he seems to respect Demero. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a treat. And I think that that brings us to the end of book and movie. Yeah. Do we want to do our horse total? The end of only our first vow. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, going to be a long one, huh? It's okay. Okay, so our section total for today is 79 horses. 79. I know, our running total before that had been 53, so we, like, doubled the the horse count today. More, yeah, more than doubled. Which brings us to a, a total, a running total so far of 132 horses. Wow. Um, wow. What was your favorite horse today? Oh, that's such a good question. It's gotta be, sh- it's gotta be Shadowfax. Like, he's yeah. so, I, I feel like I just, like, pick, like, the big star horse every time, but, like, genuinely, Shadowfax is so beautiful like that scene of him running up is so like it's just majestic like that's the horse content you want yeah yeah how about you i always avoid picking the big star horse you do because i am so resistant to that and it's 
I really need to like get over myself. Um, uh, can I? So I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Do you want to predict the horse that I was gonna choose? Lettuce. No, actually, oh. but that's that's a good guess. Was it Hella? Oh, that's a good guess too. No, I was torn bese- between Silvertail and Firefoot, but mm. I too am going to choose Shadowfax. Oh my god! It's the name wow. of our podcast. It's the name of the podcast. He's the king of all horses. He's the king. Please, we are not um, loyalists in this show, but he's <laughs> he's the king of the horses. Yeah, fuck monarchy, except in horses. <laughs> except in horses. Okay, so one vow down. What's our next and, vow? Uh, isn't our second vow the ranking? Didn't we just do that? Oh yeah, shit. That's fucking two vows down. Okay, third vow. Song. Rewrite. Oh, wait. Actually, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We do have to go back to the second vow very, very oh, briefly. No. no, no, no. It's fine. Tell me your favorite of the um, the Rohirrim horse names. Mine is Grim Grim. Oh, mine is... Oh, it might be Froomleth. That's pretty good. Although I Froomleth also liked... Feels... I also liked Tidhild. Tidhild is really good. Which is probably oh, well... actually like... Tivild, because it's D-H, but I'm yeah. pronouncing that as two World, separate syllables. cold and hard, tilt-hilled, soft and warm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I That makes sense. I thought you were going to choose Balgil. Oh, I do love the Balgil. Balgil horse. I love to have a Balgil with cream cheese. Balgil. Okay, great. Second down, now actually completely accomplished. Okay, what song do you want to rewrite? Okay, so... I was kind of thinking the um, the lore of the Living Creatures song, except we just rewrite it to be about a few different kinds of horses. Oh, that's a great idea. And that song doesn't even rhyme, so like we are, that's well within our grasp, you know? Oh yeah, it doesn't. It has some almost slant rhymes, but like not even. Not even. Okay. Yeah, I don't. So yeah. obviously we have learn now the lore of living horses instead of creatures first name the four the free mm, equine steeds the free steeds isn't bad free steeds okay um and let's let's pick off the bat let's pick maybe just the four the four eldest that we're naming but like what are just four kinds of horses that we want to arabians definitely we gotta include those i think Uh, we gotta include ponies yeah, maybe Clydesdales. Mm-hmm. We want like a big cart horse. Yeah, um, we could do something real, real fancy like a Frisian or a Lipizzaner. Yeah, or um, like what kind of horse is um is Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron? Oh, oh Mustang. right, yes. Let's do Mustangs. Yeah. Um. Okay, I'm gonna vote that our first line here, instead of eldest of all the elf children, is skittish of all the Arabians. Great. I do think this is a diss on elves, but if elves were horses, they might be Arabians. Arabians. (laughs) Yeah, 110%. And then we need, um, we have Dwarf the Delver, Dark are his houses. Um, It could be something, something, fast is their gallop. That might be a good one for, like, Mustangs. Mm -hmm. They're, like, tough and hardy. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, if we want to keep with the dark thought, we could be, like, Pony the Resenter, darker his thoughts, because my experiences with ponies is that they're spiteful little bastards who don't forgive and don't forget. 
Yeah, in fact, I'm going to say Pony the Spiteful, I think. Oh, yes, Pony the Spiteful. Dark are his thoughts. Um, And then Ent the Earthborn, old as mountains. Oh, that's Mustangs. Mustangs are old. Yeah, do we, do we want... I mean, right, it doesn't have to be old. Do we want to end with Clydesdales, though, or do we want to end with Mustangs? Oh, Mustangs feel like a finisher, maybe. Yeah. So let's do Clydesdales. Okay. Uh, sturdy Clydesdales. Um, big as houses. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Into it. And then Mustang something. Oh, spirited Mustang. Gotta be. <laughs> Little shout out there. To whom? The other king of the horses. Yeah, please name them for the podcast. Shadowfax and Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron are in love. I'm gonna write that fic. Actually, fuck. Okay, we'll come back to that thought in our next episode because there's a question we're gonna answer in that episode that is very relevant to this. True. Spirited Mustang. I mean, the line in the thing is man the mortal, master of horses, but we could just say spirited Mustang, master of horses. Sure, I'm into it. Okay, because we gave ourselves such an easy poem writing-wise, I feel like we have to up the ante a little performance-wise, and you we gotta perform it in our int voices, because it's an int poem. Oh no. Oh, Caitlin, you cannot make me do this. Learn now the lore of living horses. First, First name. name. No, we're, the... we're, we're alternating lines. We're alternating I'm so lines. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. First name. I see, I see the stage. First name, the four... The free steeds. Skittish of all the Arabians. Pony the spiteful. Dark are his thoughts. Sturdy Clydesdales. Big as houses. Spirited Mustang. (laughs) Master of horses. (laughs) Okay, third bout done. Moving on, moving on. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, boy. That was like, that's like, come join our our very bad Patreon-only cursed ASMR podcast. (laughs) And finally, this is so exciting. The fourth vow. The beacon has been lit. Wow. A second time. But twice. Yes. I mean, technically a second and third time. Because it was lit the last episode. No, I mean, for today, it's like... But today, the beacon, been... the beacon is lit anew every time. Yes, it's a fresh it's beacon. Doubly... We're, not, we're not reusing an old, crusty beacon. It's a fresh beacon. The beacon has been lit once and twice. It's doubly lit. Okay. Doubly lit. Do you... Which, which question are we doing first here? You can do yours first. Okay. So this question is from our dear friend, Cal. Friend of the pod. Yeah, they write, Hi-ho, cowpokes. Long time listener, first time writer. Y'all seem like the kind of people who have seen the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet adaptation with DiCaprio and Claire Danes and all the guns that had the word sword or dagger engraved on the grip, right? Well, anyways, my question is, if Baz Luhrmann remade Lord of the Rings, do you think he would give them all cars with license plates that say like stallion or pony boy? That's stallion spelled S-T-4 l y n which looks Fuck, more like really good more like stalin than stallion i've got to say but i'll i'll take it as stallion in this context like stallion or pony boy or whatever hmm maybe that's not a very open-ended question for discussion sorry as you recall i'm a long-time listener first-time writer i guess what i'm wondering is what would be the gratuitously labeled items in a Boslerman lotr 
hopefully a horse analog for the sake of this podcast, but I guess it could be anything. That man is kind of wild. Having flashbacks to ninth grade English class, Cal. This question is very funny to me because we watched a movie last weekend and I was like, boy, you know what we should watch? Yeah, and I've been thinking about it since then. (laughs) Yeah, we should have watched it. I know. We have both seen this film, although not together. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen it in, like, years. Yeah, I watched it for the first time sometime last year. Okay, what do you think? So, it would absolutely be cars, and they would be, I think, really, like, low-slung, big-boxy, high-profile, like, 50s cars. And they would Mm -hmm. all have really ostentatious, um, like, hood ornaments in the shape of horse, a horse rearing with, like, light-up eyes. And I think the license plate would be um, Steed, S-T-E-E-D, except it would probably be, like, S-T-3-3-D. I kind of, like, if we wanted to go really literal, I think the license plate would be, like, the names of their specific horses and then the name, like, on the car, like, you know, the model would be like steed or mount or horse respectively yeah Um, and there would be some like gratuitous hood sliding you know oh yeah definitely but yeah i feel like i had a great idea for like a gratuitously labeled item when i first read this question and now i have completely forgotten it what what would the ring be like what would how would the ring be reinterpreted Oh. I feel like it's so it's so hard to picture Lord of the Rings without swords. Is yeah. the thing. Like, I feel like it might even be the thing where it like wraps back around to like it's a sword that says gun on it or something. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe the ring is like like a cigar band. <laughs> oh fuck, yeah. And and maybe the brand I mean, you could even go like you could really lean in and like the brand of cigars is something like you know the one ring or mordor or whatever it is but um yeah absolutely one cigar to rule them all you know god (laughs) the the like the the lidless flaming eye would always be shot as like it would be like a guy in a big suit leaning back in his chair with one leg up and he has that cigar lighter that shoots a really, really steady jet of flame and you would only ever see his face through that steady jet of flame as he lights the cigar. And so you'd see the the ring of it, um, the outline of the cigar catching and that would be like how he's always pictured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Okay, wow. And um, yeah, we have... We have another question that we'll get to next episode. Um, but what what's our second question for today? For today, we have another question. Hold on, let me pull up the Twitter. Um, this is from another friend of the pod, Maddie. Um, sends a picture of the um, the horse statue, which has been going around recently. They're part of a, uh, a animal sculpture series from Fernando Botero of this really kind of like wonderfully bulbous horse. And asks, hi, I have a question for the pod. What horse would you say best fits this image? Peak horse, in other words. I mean, Shadowfax is obviously peak horse form. But he is not, he is not like bulbous in any way. I think it might be. No, although I don't think it has to be a horse that physically resembles that. It's all about the energy, right? Energy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Um, Okay, here's a thought. Yeah. I think it's Mushroom. Yeah, yes, I was gonna say. Yeah, 
It's mushroom. Mushroom, you may not like it, but mushroom is peak horse performance. Yeah. I mean, people say that about Bill, but Bill doesn't have quite the same, I don't know. There's, mushroom has something different. Bill has a little bit of that, like, heroism to him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would agree. Different, different energy. Yeah. 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 It's gotta be mushroom. It's gotta be mushroom. She's our Fernando Botero horse. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the, be- the beacon has been, the call has been answered. All four vows yeah. have been upheld. That's a thing, right? You uphold a vow. E- yeah, or kept. You keep vows. Hey, what does... Uh, hypothetical question. What does one do with a vow? Mm, you make it or break it or not break it and keep it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> those, the, those, are, those are the options. <laughs> Thank you for sticking around for an extra long episode of Shadow Facts thrilled to be out here doubling the horse count wait i'm sorry okay i'm sorry never mind i <laughs> what happened there joey you have thought just, yeah for a second thought that we hadn't read our rewritten song and then i remembered that we did in fact read it in end voices <laughs> i had just already blocked out the memory so thoroughly well, i'm fine we're doing great <laughs> we're doing great yeah um, we, di- we did it we will put the section for next time in the episode description because we are still um, kind of hammering out the details on that. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, thanks for listening. We're going to keep trucking. Horse by hundreds of horses. I keep trucking. You, it is so rude at the end of a horse podcast to reference <laughs> a truck, the horse's natural rival. Whoops. We're going to keep gonna... trotting. Keep plodding. Horses love to plod. That's much better. They love to plod. Catch it on the flip side of Middle Earth. (laughs) (laughs) We can't end it there. Will you say anything else? We can and (laughs) will. (laughs) Thank you for listening. The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by us, Caitlin and Joey. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com slash shadowfactspod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Glick at DancyNuru on Twitter. I'm Caitlin. My pronouns are she, they, and you can follow me on Twitter at Behold. You can follow the show at shadowfactspod and email your horse-related LOTR questions to shadowfactspod at gmail.com. Again, that is shadowfacts, F-A-C-T-S. Joining me on this journey there and back again is Joey. My pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me on Twitter at Joey the Prince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time. This has been Shadow Facts. One horse to rule them all. Ha 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 ha!